Dear Lord, we're grateful today that we get to be in your presence. Lord, we know that you're here and that you are meeting with us. And as we enter into the second part of worship, Lord, where we hear from you, will you awaken our souls today? Will you pull us from the sleepy state we're in? And will we be refreshed this morning, Lord, by your presence and by your truth? We praise you, Lord, for how faithful you are in our lives. I pray, Lord, that we will be that we would learn to be faithful in the same way. Lord, be with this time. I commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. How is everybody? I already asked that today, but I usually don't get to preach, so it's natural. Well, okay, to start off today, I have to ask, how many of you have ever been blindfolded and had to trust somebody? Okay, a few of us, yeah. How many of you have ever had to do, or willingly, done a trust fall? You know, you know what I'm talking about, where you like stand like a board and go, whoo, and hope the person, you know, will catch you? Anybody ever not been caught? Oh, good, you have, whew, you're doing better than I am. Okay, so welcome to our third week of In This Together, where we've been diving in to what the roots of Anchor Church is, okay? First week, Pastor Lindsay, she shared about what it looks like what, for us to restore hope together in our city. And last week, Pastor Kurt, he dove into the heart of discipleship and what it looks like when we do it together. And as Pastor Lindsay mentioned, I get to oversee the navigate portion of our mission. And in that, we believe that encounters with Christ, it sets a new course. We believe that the power of experiencing Jesus in a real authentic way changes how we live our lives. So, some of you have been blindfolded, some of you have done the trust fall, but not everybody, not everyone raised their hands. But how many of you have ever had to navigate to a new place? Okay, thank you. Whew, there we are. How many, or maybe even just like in a city that you're visiting, you're walking around and you're like, do we go this way or that way? I just want some food. Okay, um, most of us have done that. How many of you have done it without those fancy phones in your pocket? Huh? Okay, how many of you have done it without printing off the directions beforehand? Or if you're real old school, writing them out before you leave? Okay, well, you're braver than I am <laughs> because I have this need to know where I am in this world. Like, if I don't, I'm stressed out. I, like, I need to know right or left now. Um, and in those times, I feel vulnerable when I don't have that. You know, because either I have to trust Lindsay's telling me the right directions, or that Siri knows what she's talking about, and in the middle of Wyoming, she doesn't. Just so you guys know, if you go to Wyoming, don't trust it. There was actually a story where these ladies were traveling, and they trusted Siri, and they t Siri took her out on this dirt road, and that road doesn't exist anymore. So, yeah, anyways, all of that to say, when you have to trust those people, 
and you or that object, you're vulnerable, right? And how many times do we feel like that in life? You know, we wait for those difficult conversations and we wait for the test results. We wait for our prayers to be answered, to see if we're gonna be able to start our family or whatever the next season in life is. And if we're honest with ourselves, life forces us to be vulnerable. And that's before you add Jesus in the mix, okay? Life with Christ is constantly taking cues from a God who's not sitting in the passenger seat. You see, if Lindsay misdirects me, I can <laughs> look at her like, you know? And we have that relationship. We know each other because we're roommates, and we're like, I know way too much about you, okay? But with God, sometimes we feel like he might not know us very well, or we feel like we don't know him very well. And again, it's vulnerable. It's uncomfortable. And you see, vulnerability is everywhere in life. And today I want to unpack what it looks like to be vulnerable through the lens of worship. So our first point today is vulnerability requires us to trust God with our past. Turn with me to Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 3. If you don't have a Bible, one of my friends would be happy to bring you one, or it'll be up on the screen up here. So Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 3. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor, so they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? So to set the scene, we have this lady who we'll call Mary, though scholars are divided on whether that's who that is. But you see, Mary, she has this expensive jar of perfume, and naturally, I wonder, how did she get that? Well, in another spot in Scripture, in Luke, it refers to her as a sinful woman. And the way that they use the word sinful, it means that she lived an unchaste life. So you can probably infer what her career was, but because we have young years, I won't delve into that. It was prostitution. Okay, yeah. <laughs> just, just helping you out. Okay. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so she marches in and she breaks this jar of perfume. Now, a woman with her kind of past, she's going to have some trust issues, okay? And with my counseling degrees and what I'm learning in class, I would 99.9% .9 guarantee that all of us have some trust issues, okay? Now, I want to take some time and share how I acquired some of my trust issues. Uh, if you'll see up here, this is my family, okay? Me, <laughs> selfie stick, <laughs> which is my arm. Anyways, <laughs> up top is my brother, Adam. In the middle is my mom, Kate. And down here, that goofball is my dad, Dan, okay? so. 
Um, when I was in my late teens, uh, my brother's three or four years older than me. He moved out, okay? That's usually what you do. Um, well, my parents were like, well, we have to stay in touch, you know, we gotta stay close. So we'll go on family vacations every year. Family vacations, okay. Well, so one year, it was middle of August, and we decided to go to the great city of Denver, and you all boo, because <laughs> you're from Colorado Springs, and you know Denver's not all that it's cracked up to be, but when you're from the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, it's exciting. It has Waterworld and real restaurants, so <laughs> we were sold, okay? So my, my dad's brother lives there. That was a bonus. We got to see him. So it's been you know, a weekend or however long it was full of really tight spaces, questionable hotels, and long trips. It's like six and a half hours to get to Denver from where I'm from. So we're making our way back to Lander, Wyoming, and we're in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. We're bored out of our minds. It's hot, and all of a sudden, my dad locks the windows, turns the air to heat, puts it on full blast, and unbeknownst to us, but quickly found out, blasts his silent but deadly fart through the whole car. <laughs> yeah, so we're gagging at this point, and my even-tempered brother goes, what kind of monster are you? <laughs> so now it'd be kind of nice if all of our stories that talk about or prove why we have some trust issues were funny, but they're not. And Mary's story is a story that many of us can relate to. Let's read this again. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. You see, the people in the house, they knew who Mary was. And they knew who Mary had been. And in this moment, Mary had to face her past. And she had to trust that Jesus was not going to let her down. And he didn't. Look at verse 6. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing for me? You see, Jesus knew Mary's past as well, and he knew her heart. And in this moment, he showed why we can trust him. Many times, we want to forget about our past. We don't want to acknowledge what was happened because a lot of embarrassment lives there, and a lot of hurt lives there. You know, we get excited when we meet people who know nothing about us because they don't know where we've come from or who we used to be. And we don't go too deep in life groups because, again, that would reveal some truth about us. Instead, we put that mask of pride on that says, you won't hurt me because I won't let you. And when we do that, we force ourselves and others further and further away from the heart of God. If we aren't honest and authentic about where God has brought us from, how will anybody understand the power of Jesus? Your vulnerability is the door to someone else seeing Jesus in human form. It's the key 
to our future, and it could be the key to someone else's future. And that's why, we, that's why navigating together is so important, because it has future implications, which brings us to our next point. Vulnerability requires us to hand God our future. Now Mary, she just sacrificed her most expensive possession, and it was as an act of worship to Jesus. Her wages and her future were in that jar, yet she trusted Jesus with it. She knew that she could no longer control the outcome of her life. The scripture states that this perfume was worth at least a year's worth of wages. So to bring that into our context, if she had that today, it would be worth around $50,000. How scary is that? That jar represented her past and her future. And we're scared to take the next step. We're scared to take that next step of faith because we might fall flat on our faces. And that's where the beauty of worship begins. It's in the unknown. Look at Mark 14, 7 through 8. You will always have the poor among you. This is Jesus talking. And you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. You see, in this moment, Mary sees past her circumstances and her doubt, and she surrenders all that she has at his feet. And we have these moments of surrender, of when you say, everything that I have, everything that I am, everything that I hope to be, here I am, Lord, you can have it all. Because encounters with Christ experienced through authentic worship, they set a new course. And truth is, you have a choice. You see, you can choose to see the immediate circumstances, listen to doubt, and be like the disciples who were offended by what Mary did. Or you can choose to surrender all that you have, all that you are, and lay it down at the feet of Jesus and trust him with your past and your future. It's exciting and it's terrifying but I promise it's more exciting. I gotta tell you why I love Sundays, okay? I'm the worship pastor. (laughs) Every Sunday, we stand at a crossroad between who we've been and who God is calling us to be. And when we do it together, all in our unique stories, something beautiful happens. Check this out. Vulnerability expressed together produces hope. So imagine, let's go back to Mary. Imagine with me this scene, okay? She is not planned this out, okay? I can't imagine that this was premeditated at all. She felt the call and she went for it. And by no means was it an elegant ceremony or by no means did it fit the customs of the day. So that's one portion of it. Then I need you to imagine with me the emotion behind this, okay? I see her with tears streaming down her face, just brokenness and surrender, and she, can you imagine the worry of how she might be accepted? 
but instead, she keeps going. One of my favorite parts of this story is that she did it in front of everybody. She didn't wait. She wasn't like, Jesus is by himself. Let me run over there real quick. Or it wasn't just Jesus and his disciples. No, in a house full of people in the middle of dinner, she busts in there and she made her way to Jesus. She presented the perfume to Jesus unabashedly with everything she had left within her. She walked through judgmental glares, naysayers, and those who openly mocked her, and she made her way to Jesus' feet. This is one of the purest forms of vulnerability I've ever seen. This woman had every reason to turn around and run, and instead, she walked through those doors, and by her actions, she said, all that I am, all that I have, Jesus, you are worthy of it all. Listen to Jesus' response. Verse 9. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Listen, your story, your vulnerability, it can be like Mary's story if you let it. It will be the thing that propels others out of despair and into the hope and freedom and the victory in Christ. But it's not going to happen by living in the past. And it's not going to happen worrying about your future. It will happen when we choose to surrender to him, both of those, and lay them at his feet. So I have to ask you this morning, where do you find yourself? Do you need to trust God with your past, with the brokenness that lives there, the broken relationships, the hurt, the abuse, the anger, everything that lives in your past? Is it time for you to trust Jesus with it? To stop letting it hold you back from who he's calling you to be? Maybe it's time you find yourself that you need to trust him with your future, your marriage, your children, your addiction, your mental health condition, your singleness. It's time to lay it down at his feet and say, Jesus, all that I am is yours. Maybe you find yourself not being vulnerable as God has called you to be vulnerable. You're avoiding life groups and open mic nights and church in general, but you're here. But maybe you just walk in, do what you need to do, and leave. If we can't be vulnerable with the people in this room, there's no way we can navigate life together. So I want to leave you with this as the worship band plays the last song. What would it look like for you today to be vulnerable? Maybe it's you raising your hands during the last song or coming down and praying. Maybe you need to go find that person you've been avoiding and say, will you pray with me? Or maybe it's time for you to pull out that phone and invite the person that God has laid on your heart to church. I don't know what it looks like for you to be vulnerable, but I know that God will tell you what it looks like. Let, us, let me pray for us.
And during this last song, you do what you need to do, what God is calling you to do. Dear Lord, I thank you for your power. I thank you for your presence and how faithful you are to us. Lord, I thank you that you call us away from a stagnant lifestyle. Lord, and you're calling us higher. I pray, Lord, that today, that this wouldn't just be words or a time that is obligated to church, Lord, but that it'd be a time that changes lives. Lord, that new courses are set this morning and that a new form of vulnerability is reached in this building. And maybe this morning, you're like, who is this Jesus? I want to know more about him. I want to I live that life that you're talking about. Lord, I pray for those people that that's where they feel today. Lord, I pray that you would work in their hearts, that they would reach out to us, Lord, that they'd fill, that, fill out that connection card and say, I accepted Christ today, but I need to know more about it. Lord, I pray for each person in this building that they would respond to the way you're calling them to respond. In Jesus' name, amen.